You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. What's up? Hey, Josiah. Ethan. How you doing? That was a delayed reaction. That's what I'm going for. Delayed reaction. It's fine. It was a what's up. You greeted me by name and then Mm -hmm. I greeted Mm -hmm. you by name. Right. And uh, no one's going to know any. There's there's no delay when we go through the editing phase. (laughs) (laughs) It's perfect and smooth. (laughs) Uh, No one would listen to this podcast. (laughs) The unedited. (laughs) (laughs) Me getting frustrated over like, how do I say this? That's been, Uh, there have been a few times. This is what happens. Yes. Mm, you know? I cannot do this live. Or they don't know. They don't know. Well, they do now. That's an interesting thing before mm. we get into our content for the day. Live recordings of podcasts. Yeah. I can be into that under certain circumstances. I've, I've listened to quite a few, but they're obviously very experienced people. I mean, they're like entertainers, basically. Yeah. Like Pete Holmes, comedian Pete Holmes, who yes. did the Batman college humor stuff. Yeah. I think he can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite that quick on my feet. No, yeah. me neither. Someone says uh, something and I'm like, uh. <laughs> I, I feel like if I was like his guest or something like that, I would just be laughing at his jokes. <laughs> I don't think I would have anything to offer. <laughs> just nervous energy and laughs. Laughter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, unrelated to any of that. Any of it. We're on to the second commandment. Today yeah. Of the 10 uh-huh. commandments. 20% after today. Yeah, 20%. We're one-fifth of the way there. Mm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. We're one-fifth <laughs> of the way there. Yes. Whoa. That'll catch on. Don't worry. I'm sure it will. <laughs> uh, so this commandment is actually worth reading its entirety because it's a little longer than the other commandments. Mm, so okay. I'm just, I'm going to read it. All Exodus right. 20 verses four through six. We read the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Hmm. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So apart from the fourth commandment, which is dealing with the Sabbath, this is the most robust commandment of the ten, actually, believe it or not. Robust in length or robust in covering its bases? A little bit of both. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's similar to the... Well, it definitely stands out already. It sure does. It's obviously not quite as punchy as, you shall have no other gods before me or you shall not murder. Uh, There's quite a bit going on in this commandment, as you can probably tell. Well, yeah, first and foremost, something that actually feels incredibly contradictory without further context, Mm -hmm. um, being the crafting of... Of earthly and heavenly images, when they're they're specifically instructed to do so later on in in painstaking detail for the purposes of the tabernacle, and later on yeah. we see that in uh, the temple. Yeah. So I'm I'm guessing it's not quite a, a face value situation. I'd say you were guessing correctly. That's convenient. <laughs> So I think it'll be helpful to break this commandment down into two segments. Okay. We'll cover the first half here. First, as one does when you're working in logical order. Let's not get tricky. We're trying to. Again, that first half reads, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. So what we have here is a prohibition against making images for the purpose of worship. Yeah. It was pretty common for the pagan kingdoms around Israel to have physical representation 
representations of their gods. Right. That was the normal practice. So what you would have is you'd have these statues made of wood or stone or perhaps some kind of precious metal or perhaps stone or wood overlaid with precious metal, like gold or something. Uh, And these statues would often look like various creatures. As an example, in ancient Egypt, you might have a god who was represented with a statue slash image that had the body of a human, right? So, so far, nothing out of the ordinary, but then... (laughs) It had, like, the head of a dog. <laughs> the head of a dog. I think it was Anubis, right? Something oh, like that. I'm so glad you asked. We're actually going to get a brief historical lesson here, aren't <laughs> I've we? Waited, I've waited. So, I've waited <laughs> since my childhood for this moment. Long have I waited for this moment. <laughs> oh, so, Anubis was, was the jackal-headed god of, like, death and mummification, amongst other disciplines. Not to be confused with uh, his sickly-skinned father, Osiris. Lord and Judge of the Dead and other disciplines. Interesting. <laughs> so there's a strange there's a strange overlap. They both have a lot of death realms going on there. But Anubis actually like oversaw these sacred scales uh, and and would weigh the hearts of the dead against a feather uh, that represented truth and uh, thereby determine their place in the afterlife, which is uh, surprisingly kind of Catholic. <laughs> It's um, it's very strange, but um, fascinating. So when you said you were really into studying the Egyptian pantheon as a oh, child, boy, oh boy, that was that was not a joke. I don't know That's how I got away with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, a, in in the Bolton house, yeah, it's not what, a, you know, like was... your Cheryl Bolton is no, a no, saint no. and <laughs> not, I mean, you know, like, yeah, it's a, uh, but that happens. It's history, guys. It, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Boy, so, oh boy. So, so they I mean, would worship those things. Yeah, yeah. So that's exactly. You, you go down to the, I don't, did Anubis have his own temple? Do you I'm, know? I'm or, sure he, there are. He had somewhere, he had a statue, and I'm sure people went and oh, paid homage, oh, you know? No doubt, they had many representations. Yeah, so not only Anubis, but, you know, Ra uh, or an however many. An enormous pantheon of, of yeah. very gnarled family tree. Yes, <laughs> and they all had statues or images, and that wasn't just Egyptian practice. I mean, that was oh, it, common all over. It, it hits basically every pantheon that we've seen in human history. Yeah, and it didn't stop after, you know, the fall of ancient Egypt or... Um, or even Rome. Yeah, so, I mean, you had Greek Rome, the Norse gods. Yeah. I mean, to this day, you still have tons of polytheistic societies that do have images of gods and they... Certainly. ...worship there. Yeah, so, in the case of Israel, with this command, they were obviously not to worship false gods, which is actually the first commandment, of course. Right, that's not right. Their gods before me. But in this case, they also weren't to make visual representations of the one true God in this case. Uh, I don't think I recognize that mm-hmm. until... So, how would you rectify depictions of, of Jesus, um, mm-hmm. given that mm-hmm. he's still, a th- like, he's a third of the Godhead here? And is that, like, a fully man loophole? Yeah, I think you could be on to something there. I love when you make me feel good about it. <laughs> so, to break it down a little further, in the first commandment, you have who to worship, right? The Israelites are called to worship the one true God, right. as he has revealed himself in his word. And the second commandment, you have an admonition about how you are to worship the one true God. Okay. So, again, to come back to something you pointed out earlier, you'll notice later that when God instructs the Israelites to make the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, yeah. he gets very specific about things they're supposed to make, including cherubim yeah angelic beings who inhabit the heavens they're supposed to you know cover the the mercy seat of the ark of the covenant but you notice there's no representation of god the mercy seat sits 
empty. Yeah. In the Gospel of John, we actually get a little more clarity on this because we read that no one has seen God. In uh, fact, actually mm. later in Exodus, Moses asks, show me your glory. And God's like, like no. Can't do that. Like, that'll kill you. <laughs> so no one knows what God looks like. That's, in fact, okay. what John later says. He says, no one has seen God. So the idea of it's like, hey, 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 don't start filling in the details. Right. Exactly. Okay. Don't obscure his glory. I mean, you're going to fall short. He can't oh, be captured in an okay. image. But then something pretty remarkable happens when the Son of God appears. Right, right, right. Okay. Because John, again, he says no one has seen God, but, oh, now, watch, I lost the exact wording that's in my head. I have this passage memorized and I've lost the exact wording, so obviously I don't have it memorized. But I think what he says is the Son or the Word, something like that, has made him known. Mm. And so what happens is, this is where it gets tricky, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, becomes flesh. Right. Uh, in fact, Paul would later go on to say in Colossians 1.15, Christ is the image of the invisible God. So God invented the loophole. God invented the loophole. I feel a lot better about that. <laughs> yeah, so when we're talking about God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, no images. Yeah, okay. You can't capture that. But when we come to God the Son, he did something that neither the Father nor the Spirit did. He became flesh, what? right? What a roller coaster this is become. I know, right? Because in Jesus Christ, God was seeable, he was touchable, he was approachable. In fact, there were whole sects of heretical sects. I was going to say there were sects of Christianity, but they were condemned as heretical for obvious reasons because they were so thrown off by this idea that God would sully himself mm. by becoming flesh. They say, no, like that was just an illusion. Oh, like what? Jesus's body was That's not so real. Elaborate. I think it was the Apollyarianism and Gnosticism. You get in those sects, people are like, yeah, that, that body can't be real. Like That you is know. like an extreme level of, I'm going to just say shared delusion. Yeah. <laughs> Satisfying to say, but... <laughs> yeah, so when it comes to God the Son, all that is to say, I think it gets trickier when you're talking about images and yeah. visual representations. I'll tell you where I land on this. I don't think there's anything sinful about images of Christ if they are not used for the purposes of worship. I get a little freaked out when people are prostrating themselves before an image of Christ in worship. I think mm. that's a little... Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you start getting into some hairy territory for me yeah. there. But I don't think there's anything sinful about images of Christ, as long as they're not used for the purposes of, of worship. But funny enough, I have I do have a number of friends who disagree with me vehemently. Oh, that's kind of fun. On this, yeah, it is always kind of fun. As a matter of fact, not a friend that disagrees with me on this, but a mutual friend of ours, mm -hmm. Colin Rieger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a tattoo of a Coptic, I think, icon of Jesus ascending to the throne okay. of heaven and sending the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so he's literally got a represent an image of Christ like inked uh, into his flesh. Yes. So I, I find that interesting. I'm like, Come at I me. want that. Like, yeah. I want that tattoo, man. Which is, and then there are a whole group of people who think you shouldn't be tattooing yourselves. <laughs> another podcast episode for another day. Oh. Um, so um, a final note on this segment, though, while we're at it, because just want to make sure this is clear. God is not in this commandment forbidding the portrayal of physical realities in art. Sure, right. I mean, I can see where you'd be led to believe that without... Without context, yeah. right? I mean... <laughs> if you just take that verse, you're, you're done. Yeah, but again, as you pointed out very astutely, I think you run into trouble with that when you get later to the tabernacle in the temple and see yeah. God saying make these representations. And the reformers had a lot to say about that, but we don't have time for that. Um, and you would be more familiar, I think, with this movement, but you had iconoclasm? The, the, the iconoclasm movement, where it was like super anti-representations of, of art. and um, Yeah. yeah it was, it's, it's wild. I mean, like mass destruction of, of incredible works. Very sad. Yeah. And um, 
All that is to say, yeah, God is not saying in this commandment, you better not paint that kingfisher who's been <laughs> hanging out by the, the lake there. You better not do that. How dare you? How dare you do that? Uh-huh. Um, again, he had them make cherubim. Exactly. Over the Ark of the Covenant. Yes. So please, you know, if you're into the arts, keep keep drawing and painting the world that you see. Continue to admire, you know, the masterworks of Da Vinci and Rembrandt, etc. Just wanted to clear that up. So now we'll move on to the second segment. All right. In which... All I really want to do is just want us to clear up something of a <laughs> okay. semi-common misinterpretation of the statement I'm, I'm excited for this. that is made here. So the rest of the commandment reads, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Mm, so that's not subtle. Yeah, right. Those are pretty strong statements. And what I just want to clear up for those who are listening is I've heard this taught along the lines of, and perhaps you've heard it taught this way, something to the effect of children will suffer the punishment for the sins of their fathers. Oh, classic. That's how sins that's of the father. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and that's like, you know, well, your dad did something three generations back and now you're going to pay for that sin, that mm. sin that he committed. Oh, like a cosmic, in a cosmic yeah. ju- judgment. Okay. Yeah. And... Again, it's not what is taken in context, the rest of scripture, that's not what God is saying. Mm. In fact, when we get to Jeremiah, there was this little parable that had developed in his time, and it went, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, which was a way of saying, oh, the fathers ate sour grapes and the children were the ones who felt the effects of it, right? They they were the ones who, who suffered the, you know. It was it was basically they were misinterpreting, you know, like a passage like this and saying that's yeah. that's a parable. Well, God goes on to say, No, if you eat the sour grapes, it's gonna be your teeth set on edge. And specifically he says in Jeremiah thirty one thirty that everyone will die for their own iniquity. Okay. That's how this works. And so what God is trying to drive home here is the destructive power of idolatry. That if you're gonna bow down to statues of false gods, your children are probably going to pick that up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is exactly what we see in the nation of Israel. Sure. I mean, all through the book of Judges, really all through the reign of the kings after Solomon. Mm-hmm. Technically, starting with Solomon, unfortunately. Way to go, buddy. You had yeah. that temple. Come on, man. You, you started out so right. So right. <laughs> and then you t- did that. But the worship of, of false gods leads generations of children astray, and they each successive generation picked up the worship of their fathers, and they did suffer for that. Yeah. And so you, you see the great generational power, for lack of a better term, of false worship and how that can get passed down to the children. But all that even to say, God's desire is not to, you know, show punishment. I don't desire that the wicked should perish for his sin. I desire that he should repent. And in fact, he ends this commandment with, but I show steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Like that's the greater reality. That's the, um, I've heard it described, that's the engine that God turns out. It's not his wrath, it's his love. Mm. And that's what he desires to do. So again, your children, God's not going to punish your child for your sins. You will suffer for your own sins, but be aware that, you know, the sins of the fathers are... There are consequences. Yeah. Again, as an example of this, I mean, you look at a guy like King David. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about oh, Solomon, shoot, right? yeah. King David, man after God's own heart, seems to have so much going for him, and then he, you know, commits adultery with Bathsheba, has her husband murdered, and after that, it is all downhill it's for so, David. So I mean, downhill. Absalom goes oh. on a rebellion and kills his brother because his 
brother raped his sister. And then, of course, Solomon comes in the picture and he starts out right. But then he's like, well, I'll follow the example of my father. And, you know, I'm going to do it even more. I'll, ta- I'll have like 700 wives from foreign lands who worship false gods. And, oh, it just, it all descends into mm. anarchy after that with, mm. you know, small glimmers of light in between. Yeah. Holler at my boy, King Josiah. What? No. That's a little, that's not so subtle. What? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's the second commandment. And that's, that's, that's where we are in that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, decompress here. I have a question. Ask um, away. Might muddy the waters, but that's really not my concern. <laughs> um, if I get, say, a tattoo of Anubis up my arm, uh, am I going to hell? Because technically, I'm citing art history. No part of it serves the purpose of worship. And and neither the depiction of the human form or the jackal is innately evil. I did say depiction, note there. And uh, the former even being made in the image of God to begin with. And you can't say that it's wrong because some dead people worship it because I'm pretty sure some dead people worship cows. And you, I think you can get a cow tattoo. So, <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> you know, I, if you want the Anubis tattoo, mm, mm, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> the official canon of our podcast. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So if you're uh, if you have questions about that, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, if you do have questions about this or any other range of topics, mm. you can email us, podcast at horizonschurch.net, interact with us on social media, and if you're helped by our content and you enjoy it, you want to share it, sure, just, uh, you know, head to the iTunes, yeah. the iTunes, uh, yeah. the iTunes, the one and only, the one and only. I'm so sorry if you're on Android. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. Here's the thing. I don't know if it helps. I recently listened to podcasts and I was like, eh, I don't know, but it helps my self-esteem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In like a big way. <laughs> yes. If you go and leave us... A five-star review. An honest five-star review. Yeah. Specifically. Because I don't want a dishonest five-star review. Well, I'd probably take it. <laughs> but it's not high on my list. <laughs> Ethan's fine with flattering. I mean... <laughs> oh i can't get out of that one (laughs) well thanks for listening as Mm. always and we'll catch you next time Mm.